0: Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about ambition and our motivation, and uh, we'll talk about in the text, how that kind of plays in. But next week, the epic wife, my wife, will be here speaking about envy, which is going to be crazy awesome. So my wife, if you heard her speak, she doesn't leave anybody standing afterwards. It's like convicting. So, And then after that uh, will be my favorite night. So in, in three weeks, for the next three weeks, if you guys can make it here, you will be surely rewarded for what God's going to reveal to us. So we've been uh talking through a bunch of different areas in James, and why don't we just turn there real quick? We're in James chapter three. James chapter three. And, and before we do that, why don't we uh just ask for God's presence here? <clears throat> so, God, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that you bring us here. Lord, we thank you for passion, for vision, God, for ambition. I thank you, Lord, for God, giving us a potential. Lord, you didn't make us robots and slugs and all sorts of lame things. God, you gave us so much, God, that we could achieve and to do and to experience in you. And, Lord, we just pray that you would open up our, our minds, our eyes, our ears tonight to hear from you. Lord, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from any wisdom of man, any wisdom of the world. But, God, we pray that you just would unlock, God, your truths from us, from this word tonight. And, God, we just expect you here. Lord, we expect that you would meet with us. Lord, if you're not here, it's not worth it. So, God, we just invite you here now to show up and to teach us and that we would grow in our knowledge and our passion and our love of you, Lord. We commit that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to cover a ton of scripture tonight, all five verses of James 3 here. So buckle up, it's going to be a long ride for about 30 seconds. So, James 3, chapter 13, and this is going to be the passage. We're going to be here for the next three weeks, and it is going to transform your world, I promise. Verse 13 of chapter 3 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So tonight, the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, tonight, about selfish ambition. Tonight, next week, we're going to be talking about envy. These two go hand in hand. Last week, we talked about words. Remember, we had no drama, which, by the way, I brought some extra shirts to sell, <laughs> if you want. Uh, no drama, right? It's, it's like our words are responsible for about 95% of the trouble we find ourselves in. I found a fantastic quote. That says, I've never gotten in trouble by anything I did not say. And my mouth always gets me in trouble. It's not necessarily that I maybe treat somebody bad or really mess up in this area. It's always my mouth that kicks my butt. Does that kick your butt ever? I mean, for me, it's like it's always that one thing. And it's like, if I could control my tongue, if I could bring it in bounds, then I'd have such a more fulfilling journey with God and with relationships. And so that was last week, and, and we looked at Matthew uh, chapter 15, 17. It says, from out of the heart and through the mouth comes adultery, comes sexual immorality, comes every evil, every sin comes from the heart and from the mouth, right? And tonight, as we look at James, it says, where there's envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder in every evil practice, So we get to look at both our heart, our mouth, and our ambitions. Our motives are responsible for every single evil of the world. Kind of heavy. So I think that God has something for us in here tonight. And I I, I really, I I don't say this just to be cliche. I really believe that the individuals here, I mean, Russell and and Dave and these guys, and and there's so many entrepreneurs in here. I really believe that the fabric of this community is going to be individuals that change our culture, change our state, change our country Influence the great minds I really believe that I believe that this community is destined for greatness And tonight we're going to delay the, the, the journey to greatness We're going to cover that in two weeks And tonight we're going to talk about the motivation to get there The motivation to have greatness And here's the deal Here's why we, we kind of shy away from greatness Is because greatness requires several things of us First is it requires accountability If you are in an accountability relationship You know that accountability stinks on ice You hate it especially if someone's keeping you honest. Accountability is not supposed to be fun and be a walk in the park. It's supposed to be brutal. Why? Because someone is supposed to be in a relationship that doesn't let you out of your color outside your lines. But to be great, to achieve greatness, and I'm referring to not greatness in terms of money or wealth or fortune. I'm talking about greatness in terms of the significance that we have with God in an eternal perspective. That can be one person. That can be a a remote place in Africa. I heard someone who has a passion for Africa. We're going to Africa this fall. We have a heart for that place. We can have eternal significance. We can achieve greatness by impacting the lives of few if we're obedient. So greatness is not about a health and wealth perspective. It's about greatness and significance in the kingdom, but it's going to require accountability that we own up to the vision that God has for us. Second is it's going to require transparency of us. And maybe not as much as that you know, you get to open the kimono and reveal all your baggage. It's more that greatness requires that you come out of anonymity. It re- requires that you step out of the shadows. I think a lot of us, we'd kind of prefer to maybe be a little more unknown than known. If we want to be great, if we want to experience greatness in the kingdom, we need to step out of the shadows. Next, it also requires great uncomfortability. We are a culture that loves to be comfortable, Right? If it's like four degrees hot in your apartment, your house, you're like, oh my gosh, where's that air conditioning, you know? It's like, if you're hungry and it's like an hour past, you're normally supposed to eat, you're like cranky. Like today, I was like three hours late for my, uh, for my lunch, and uh, I, unfortunately, a few guys from here were in the office, and life was like on fire, and I just was not a, f- a fun person. here, and I was like hungry and cranky, and we're just so used to being comfortable. But greatness is going to require that we step out of that comfortability mode that we have Next is it requires great vision. When we want to achieve greatness, God is just not going to say, be great for the sake of being great. He's going to give us a defined purpose for greatness. That's going to require clarity and vision for us to go after. And all of this, all this, every last little bit depends that we have ambition. It requires that we have ambition for greatness. Our text, said selfish ambition. Now, it's interesting. Ambition is mentioned seven times in the Bible. Seven times. Five of those times, it's talking about selfish ambition. And it doesn't say good things about selfish ambition. It, as we saw in the text, it's responsible for every disorder, every sinful nature, every sinful act comes from selfish ambition. Five times out of seven, it's referring to ambition in the wrong way. But there's two places it refers it to in the right way. Romans 15, 20. This was my very first memory verse, and it was my first verse I had for Epic Life. And it says, this this has been my ambition, that I would preach the gospel to areas not known, so that I would know that I'm not building on someone else's foundation. It has been my ambition to preach the gospel to areas not known, so I would know I'm not building on someone else's foundation. Why was that my verse? Because I thought I was the first one and the only one to take the gospel to people who ride motocross and surf. And so I love that verse. It's like it's always been my ambition to reach these guys, you know, and that was my, my whole passion that that verse has stuck with me That's one of two places that the new testament uses the word ambition. The second Is in first thessalonians four eleven. it says make it your ambition to lead a quiet life To mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may re- May win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not depend on anybody not depend on anybody. Make it your ambition to, leave, to live a quiet life and to work with your hands and not be dependent upon anybody. Maybe you don't feel dependent upon anybody, but are you dependent to Visa MasterCard? Does your life like, require that you are in a, a, a bond, a financial covenant with an outside force? It's been our huge endeavor, both in, in our relationship and in my businesses, to get this, this connection to debt away. Because I don't want to have any dependence upon anything, anybody. And with the recession, like, you're you're kind of forced as as operating a few businesses like I do is that you have instruments that make money available to you through the bank, and so you use those and, and you hope not to, but I read this and I'm like, man, I don't feel like I'm dependent upon any one person, but man, my life actually has a lot of dependencies upon a lot of institutions that I don't like. And so God's saying, make it your ambition to work hard, to support yourself, and to never be influenced by somebody else or have someone else be calling the shots. Amen? So, The New Testament is absolutely clear. Ambition for kingdom significance and second for your vocation. Pretty simple. Your ambition that you would make Jesus known to areas that don't know him. Kingdom significance. It doesn't matter if that's one person or one million people. Kingdom significance. And the second is that you would work, put your hands to work and that you'd make something of yourself and that you'd win the respect from outsiders, not because you have a bullhorn, but because of who you are. And that people would recognize you. And you would not be dependent upon anybody. So that's the, the course for the word ambition. And so as we look at this, it's also helpful to look at what Webster says about ambition. And it defines it as a strong desire for personal advancement. Ambition is a strong desire for personal advancement. It's not a strong desire for fortune or fame or money or a car or a relationship or a house. It's about a personal development within you. As we look at the difference between ambition, which we're going to refer to as godly ambition, godly is an an ambition that we have for personal advancements for us in context with our Creator. That we would make Him known that He would be glorified in our vocation. Those two things. That's our godly ambition. And selfish ambition is for the minimalization and the destruction of others around us. And we'll get to see what that looks like tonight. One thing that I, I often hear, and it's it's hard, is I, I sometimes refer to that, um, I, I know people that they they're a little success adverse, and maybe I'm a little bit more success like, wired or driven or focused. Like I'm really passionate. Maybe you guys can tell, and uh, and other people like they're kind of like, oh man, well, you know, life isn't just about you know, being in business, or life isn't just about you know, big wheeling and this. And yeah, I I get that, you know, fine, you know, that that's totally okay. But I don't want people to misconstrue that there's any shame in working hard to accomplish something. It just depends on who you're accomplishing it for and who's the casualty on the way to that accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go into work, to work hard, to maybe make decent money, to buy a motorcycle or whatever you want. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I, I talked to a guy, and, and he's like, man, I've been, and he's an entrepreneur, and he works really hard. And he's really bummed because he feels guilty that he wants to buy this motorcycle on Craigslist. And, like, you, there's a line between where you become financially irresponsible and where you deserve to work hard and to enjoy some of those rewards. There's an Old Testament verse, I don't have it off, offhand, it says, do not gorge the ox while it's on the threshing floor. Meaning, as the ox is, is making its work, don't prohibit it from eating. Let the ox eat while it is doing the work, Right? So as we look at our lives and we look at success and how do we we just we don't want to make success an idol. And that is very significant in our culture is where we make success and, and fame and fortune. We make these things idols. It's not about that. It's about putting in a hard work so that we would not be dependent upon anybody. We'd win the respect of others around us. That is what ambition and success is in my book. So I don't want us to get confused here that this is a health and wealth ideal that we want to portray here. It's all about kingdom significance and significance with our vocation and to be motivated by that. One of my favorite things is that in here, I, I oftentimes get a lot of people, mostly new people, that come up, hey man, what's up? Hey, yeah, what's going on? It's like, hey, yeah, um, I do this or I perform this or you know, I, I've, I do motivational speaking and I always know right when it comes. And it's like, you know, hey, you know, maybe one of these weeks, you know, maybe I could get up there and do something. Totally cool. Would love it. And I always do one thing. I always ask them to serve for about two months. If someone wants to be part of like, the, the prayer team, if someone wants to be part of, you know, wh- whatever it is, I always ask them, like, awesome, would love to have you. you know, if, if they're gifted up front, I want to have them, but I'm just like, you know what, why don't you stick around here for a couple months? Why don't you serve? You know, we need help tearing down. We need help setting up. Would love it. L- let's, let's do it in two months. Can you be here in between then? I tell you what, I have not had someone last more than three weeks. Not more than three weeks. And it discourages me. I want to share the giftings of our community, but I don't want to do it for the personal gain and ambition of others. I just respect the platform too much. I respect that God's given us a microphone to be humble and, and to be in community. I don't want to bring someone up here and speak to you who's not a part of our fabric and a part of our community. Or at least isn't phenomenally gifted and has flown a long ways to be here with us. I mean, it's one of the two. And so we look at we want to be ambitious, but we want to have the ability to serve others around us. Jesus said that if you want to be great, you must first be a servant. And I think that's a great model for us as we look first at all this, is that we are always going to be called to serve first before we are great. Always. So a few things about selfish ambition. And I just have a few items just to recognize. I don't have these huge biblical truths, but I just want to maybe entertain the conversation in your mind about what selfish ambition is, how to recognize it, and what we should do about it. The first is selfish ambition is about keeping other people minimalized and marginalized. Everyone say minimalized. Everyone say marginalized. Selfish ambition is all about reducing the potential of others around you. Are you with me? Selfish ambition is about limiting the potential of others around you. We're going to keep coming back to that all night tonight. Selfish ambition, I don't think, is really about us coming forward and being like, man, I can pray more than you. You know, I, I don't see that. I see it more as like a slow dumbing down of our culture to make sure it maintains a lukewarmness about us. I think that's probably more the common thing. I don't see people pining away righteousness and saying, well, I have 98 verses memorized. How many do you have this week? You know, I I don't see that as much. And that too in itself is selfish ambition, but I don't see it very much in our midst, in our culture at least. I believe that the core of selfish ambition is to keep others down around you. It's not a race to the top. It's about being passive-aggressive. I kind of do that too. I'm really convicted. My mouth always gets me in trouble. And then I'm a little bit past aggressive. I don't really want to do something because I love doing what I do. And anytime I don't get to do what I want to do, I kind of have a bad attitude about it. You know, like a wedding and I got to put on a suit and it's like, oh, you know. I'll like wait till the last little bit of cereal's like, you know, eaten. I'll like, oh, I got to, you know, shave or I got to, you know, go clean dust bunnies from our fridge. You know, like I'll do anything to kind of slow down things just so I can throw a bad attitude. It's terrible terrible. I'm, I'm, I wish I wasn't like that, but I, I don't know what to do with it. I'm trying to be better at it. But when we have passive aggressiveness, it's usually in the means to slow someone down around us because we have a bad attitude. We want to minimalize somebody. I think also, too, is that we look around, and maybe that we are more motivated about keeping other people where they are than about seeing their huge potential. I love these guys back here because these guys are going places. Russell and Dave, these guys, I mean, a whole mobile screen printing shop here, you know, right? And we have all the, the setup, like, I, Russell's business is only a year old, and look at it. You know, I love this, but I know a lot of people look at this, and they're like, you know, you, you really shouldn't do that. You really, you know, you know, this, this you look at how much money that stuff costs. You could have fed some orphans with that money, right? I mean, we look at people and their attitudes, and they, they kind of want to keep people down. Because maybe something that someone else is doing is pretty exciting and pretty cool, and you feel convicted that you're not a part of it, or you don't have something going on like that. And your motivation to keep people where they are is going to be stronger than your motivation for yourself. And that is so problematic because I think a lot of us, we don't have that focus, that potential of where God's calling me. I love this. I'm going for it. And I want you to be there with me, but move out of the way if you're in my way. Right? Right? Maybe you don't feel that way tonight, and there's some others that do, and when we see those people, I think it's easy for us to kind of poo-poo on their ambitions, because it threatens us. Why does it threaten us? Why does that threaten us? I have this, this term, I call it like the high school black hole. I'm not from here. I'm from Oregon, and, uh, and there's like, I swear, a concentrated effort with the guys that I graduated high school from with that don't want you to go anywhere, move anywhere, do anything, get educated, or anything. And it's always awkward, because now when I go up to Oregon, I'm going up there in, in a few weeks, like, I'll run into, like, I'll go to a gas station, and in Oregon, it's illegal to pump your own gas. So they have people that, like, you, it's against the law to pump your own gas. I mean, crazy, right? I, I had one of my high school buddies pumping my gas, I was like, oh, man, you know, this is, this is embarrassing, you know? And, and so then it's just, like, this huge, like, dialogue about, you know, everybody's over here, and, you know, all this, and, and you had to go to California, and, you know, you're a sellout, and, you know, you're a, Cali- look, look at your hair, it's all spiky, you know, or something. And you're like, what? You know, and I'll go home and I'll reconnect with some of my high school buddies. I'm the worst person about staying connected. And nobody is doing anything, because there's a concentrated effort to keep everybody where they are so that no one looks any worse. No one looks any better. Have you ever experienced that? Do you, do you have a community that you've been a part of that where everybody just wants everyone to stay the same, no one move, no one achieve anything, no one do anything, and we'll all be fine? Maybe you're that person. I don't know. Are you that person? Why does that threaten us? I think it threatens a lot of us. I'll admit, when I meet some other young entrepreneur, and I hear that he sold his business for $100 million, like a couple, couple weeks, nights, nights ago, I was, I was watching this uh, this this video s- series on some young business guy and he does like the video blog for wine and this guy made like a hundred million dollars off of talk about wine online and i was like well, are you serious and he was like then i had to look up his age because i'm 28 and i had to look up like how old he is and you know i like discouraged like you know he did it before you know my age and it, it's just pointless why do we do that Why are we threatened? Why do we compare ourselves to other people's success? And that is the second thing, is that selfish ambition is about comparing. Why do we compare ourselves? Why do we look at ourselves and automatically gauge everyone against ourselves? You see a guy in here, you see a girl in here, whatever. You automatically stack up, you know, what is he wearing? Does he have better shoes? Or does she have better shoes? Maybe he has better shoes, I don't know. I'm not wearing shoes. You know, like... Are they overweight? Are they underweight? You know, like, you you automatically go in your mind about all these different things, and you begin to compare yourself. That is selfish ambition. When we begin to stack ourselves up, and we begin to judge both other people and ourselves, that is selfish ambition. Again, it's not the, get out of my way, I'm going to steamroll you over. It's about judging ourselves in context to others for meaningless and pointless things, because our behaviors are going to be manipulated by those judgments, Are you jealous? Are you a jealous person? Do you see things that people have? Do you walk into somebody's home or get in their car? Do you get jealous ever? Jealousy is the root of selfish ambition too. Jealousy. Envy. Envy. Next week is going to be all about envy. That is at the root of these things because when we see things that we want, we get jealous for, we begin to do anything, sacrifice anything, steamroll over anybody, destroy anybody to get to it. That is a huge temptation in business. You are, I, I can't tell you how many temptations there are every single day, every single year to cut the lines. To do things that aren't legal. To pay money to people that, you know, like you, it's amazing. But you are so compelled because you see people who have an advantage. You see people have something better and you, you want to do that. You're jealous for it. And so that jealousy drives you to act with selfish ambition. Godly ambition, on the other hand, cheers people on. Godly ambition cheers people on. And the first one, when it was about marginalizing and minimalizing, godly ambition partners with people's ambitions if you know that they're going places, going high and, and awesome, the best thing you can do for your heart is to help them somehow get on that journey. That's the best thing you can do for them. The second best is to cheer them on. If you are jealous, the best thing that you can do is to get in a mindset where you celebrate people's victories. I buddy who had this crazy huge business deal and we set out, we were like, we're going to do cigars and we're going to do steak and, you know, I want to celebrate with them. I didn't want to get bitter and like compare like, oh, I didn't get something like that. That is the healthiest thing for our heart, is to be other people's champions when we don't have to compare ourselves. When we celebrate with people, we don't have to compare ourselves. Right? I love it. Do you mind if I call you out real quick, Marie? Or Mary? So I found out a crazy thing about her. Mary, can you stand up real quick? Just real quick. So, Mary looks super athletic. I mean, she, she looks great, doesn't she, right? I mean, yeah, she's, she looks like she's, trust me, I'm, I'm totally cool. All right. But my wife sent me a link to her blog and her photos, and she has had the most amazing transformation over the past, uh, how many years was it? Five, six years, and she had a phenomenal Weight loss transformation. I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you about this. I'm sorry, but how, how, wh- what were you before and where are you now? Or what were you before? Just tell me that. Shy, 200 Almost 200 pounds. Yeah, eighth In eighth grade. Crazy, right? I just knew about this just now, and it's not like she had everything given to her. Like she worked her tail off for it. And I, I looked at the before and after, and I'm just like, this is crazy. And I was just, like, so excited for her. I was like, way to go. That is awesome. Like, there is no reason that we can't look at someone's unbelievable success and unbelievable upset and get discouraged about it. All right, next. Selfish ambition is rooted in a poverty mentality. Selfish ambition is rooted in a poverty mentality. What the heck is a poverty mentality? A poverty mentality is this, that you have a scarcity worldview, that you believe there's only so much to go around, that you believe that the world is this huge pie, and the minute someone takes a little bit of a sliver out of the pie, there's just that much left for you now. You are threatened by the little slice of that pie that just came out of that. When you see someone have amazing transformation, you feel that suddenly there's not transformation available for you because it only happens to so many people, Right? Or you feel like you want to start a business. Well, 90% of businesses fail, only 10% succeed. So you know, that is scarcity. You believe there's finite resources. You believe there's finite potential. You believe there's finite success stories. You run in, in, in the math in your head. It's like, well, you know, X, Y percent of people are going to become successful and do this and make this much money. Like you believe there's a finite number of people who are going to achieve those things and do those things. Selfish ambition is rooted in the fear that there's not enough going around for you. How do you act when you're in the line for you two tickets and someone cuts? You get pretty pissed, right? Right? Why? Because you're like, I might miss some, you know? Like, you okay? There's you two tickets. They're scarcity, right? I mean, I'll, I'll take you for that. But as we operate in a spiritual mindset, in a career mindset, in vocation, in a kingdom mindset, we believe that there's only so much to go around. Only so much that's available. Do you think you have that mindset? Are you one of a scarcity mindset? If you believe that 90% of all businesses fail, you have a scarcity mindset. If you believe that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, you have a scarcity mindset. If you believe that there is a 10% acceptance rate into this college or this program, you are a believer of scarcity. If you believe there's only a 5% survival rate, you are partner in scarcity and a poverty mentality. You are partnering with the limited potential. And I'm here to say that as we go in two weeks and we talk about greatness, that God has unlimited greatness and potential. When it comes to our spiritual walk, when it comes to our kingdom significance and our vocation, God has unlimited resources. There is no scarcity. We should not be afraid. We should not have selfish ambition because... Something good that happens for somebody, typically for us means that it did not happen for us. Amen? You see something happen, good there, it for you means it didn't happen for me. And there's a limited amount to go around. I want you to break that mentality because God is a limitless God. He doesn't care. It's like, I'll show you your divorce rate and I'll raise you one, you know? I don't know what that means, but I'm sure he'd say that. But it's like, when we begin to rationalize numbers and statistics to justify our means are you feeling me? When we justify our failures and our actions by statistics and averages based on scarcity, based on limitations, we are engaging a poverty mindset. I think that also that the absence of godly ambition Means that you'll find selfish ambition. We're not totally touching a ton of what godly ambition is tonight because we're gonna cover that in two weeks. But when we have an absence of godly ambition, I really believe that selfish ambition creeps up. It's not like you're neutral. I believe it's it's one or the other. And none of us is ever gonna be bad in a thousand. We're gonna be pursuing this and, and doing okay here, but if we're not pushing forward, then there's parts of us that are pushing the, the selfish ambition agenda, amen? that we need to be conscious of it. It's that when you're, you're in water, you're either swimming upstream or you're floating downstream. I mean, fish, they go one way or the other way for the most part. Are you pushing against the current or when you let go, you're not standing still, you're floating downstream. I also think that there is a, an unbelievable connection to the poverty mindset and victimhood mentality. When you have a scarcity mind view, When you have limited resources, it often, I believe, means that you also play a victim as well. Because you begin to look at your circumstances and you begin to give yourself permission to fail based on your circumstances. Right? I didn't go to Harvard, so I'm not going to be successful at business or this. I didn't do this, so I'm not going to be successful at that. And we take on this, this victimhood mentality where we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder that says that we have a disadvantage. And we use that disadvantage as a, as a crutch to give us permission to do jack squat. We say, I'm not, I didn't go to school for this. I can't do that. What is it that you love? Please, for the love of God, will you do things that you love? Will you pursue things that you love? I talked to someone who loves photography, and I don't know anything about her, but I hope that she's pursuing it and wants to make her life ambitions that in Africa. I'd love to see that please, if you are not on a journey to do things that you love, and without excuse, please get on that path right away, because I'm going to guess that you're miserable. I'm going to guess that unless you're on that path, your life is probably not going too well for you. Is life happening to you, or are you happening to life? Is life happening to you, or are you happening to life? Where are your dreams, your ambitions, your goals? We want to be on a, a pursuit to greatness, but that means that we need to give a dang about it. Do you give a dang? I almost slipped. Do you? That <laughs> sounded so good in my head. <laughs> Do you give a darn? I think also that where there's lack of ambition is also lack of true identity of yourself. And here's why. I'll say that again. Where there's lack of ambition, there is lack of true identity of yourself. Here's why. It's to know your identity is to know your purpose. When you know that God created me just like this, to be this, for this, your identity gives you purpose. When you have purpose, you have godly ambition. If you don't have purpose, you can't have godly ambition. If you don't have purpose, your identity for who you are in Christ and the giftings he's given you probably isn't that pronounced. you need to find out what that is. It doesn't matter what it is, just as long as you find out what it is. Again, a scarcity mindset would say, well, my passions and interests aren't that big enough to be significant. There's not a market for that, or, you know, whatever you want to say. If a guy can make $100 million off of tasting wine on a video blog, I'm sure that you can do something productive with your passions and interests. Trust me. I get to see these endeavors that make stupid money all the time. Have you guys ever heard of the million dollar web page? Oh, I envy you guys. So this is terrible. So without being too much of a geek, some guy took a web page and a, a web page like a screen resolution is made up of pixels. And like 10 pixels by 10 pixels, uh, you know, it's like a little 10 by 10 square makes it like a little tiny dot. And he said, this is going to be the million-dollar homepage. I'm going to sell, like, 100,000 of these for $10 each, a little 10 by 10 little square. And he went online. He started selling these little squares on eBay. Well, soon these, like, news outlets said, some guy with the million-dollar homepage is selling $10 squares on his website. Well, you know what happened is that all these people started visiting his website, and he started selling bigger and bigger chunks of his website. You can go to it, milliondollarwebpage.com. I'm sorry to plug it, but it's it makes me throw up every time I look at it. <laughs> he sold all of his space and made a million dollars. What? It's like there's In-N-Out logo, there's like Golden Casino, there's you know, there's a bunch of trash. It's unbelievable. Some guy came with some stupid idea and made a killing off of it. Your passion, your interest is not that small. Please, can I free you of that? The victimhood mentality. At some point, you had your dream crushed. If you have your dream crushed here tonight, can I like pump a little bit of air in it and say, don't let it die? When Jesus was calling out Lazarus, the people said, oh, he's been dead for several days and he stinketh. Does your dream stinketh? (laughs) Maybe God wants to be here tonight and say, your dream isn't that bad. In fact, I'm going to pull it out of that tomb. Where are your ambitions? Where is your hope? Where is your passion? It is not that bad. And the more we look at it, because as we look at the, the way in which we marginalize others, I think we marginalize ourselves in that same way. As we look at things and we just want to say, it doesn't count. It's not as significant. It's not as cool. And so I'm not going to do it because of those reasons. That means that we lose a little bit of that godly ambition because those dreams, those passions, those interests that are put in you, I believe have an infinite and significant and eternal connection to God. I believe when you grab hold of that and you start pursuing that, you run on a collision course with God to meet you. Where is your passion? Are you doing anything about it? Please tell me that if you're not there tonight, that you're going to get on the path for that. Please tell me to go home tonight and scribble down some things. I love and fill in the blank and do it again and again and again. What are your passions? What are your dreams? Please, they do not stink. Let God revive them and bring them out of that cave. And until we do, until we pull those things out, and let God breathe life into them, we are never going to achieve the greatness that we all aspire and hope for. I'm sorry they're not. Because your greatness is going to be tied with your passions and interests. No one's going to call me to achieve greatness by doing taxes. I'm sorry. I hate it. Like, it it just would never make sense. Like, it's, and I'm sorry if there's a CPA in here. I I just can't stand it. You know, it's like, God is not going to use you for greatness for something that you are repulsed by. Let that be liberating for you. Let that be liberating to know that God wants to weave your passions, your interests with a collision course with him to meet you with godly ambition, to give you the motivation to do whatever he is calling you to do. And because you're not going to step on other people and because you're not going to make it about you, God is going to bless it and honor it if you keep selfish ambition out of it. Because remember, the presence of godly ambition means that selfish ambition can't be there. Where there's light, there cannot be dark. And you invade the light of God within your ambitions the darkness begins to go away real quick. Can we have the band come up? I'm going to wrap it up here. Let me uh, juxtapose a couple things for you. Let me counter what selfish ambition versus godly ambition is in this instance. Glorifying yourself for your accomplishment is selfish ambition. If you long to prove something for somebody, and I, I will fully admit for a long time in business, I had the complete wrong motives. There was individuals in my life that I so wanted to rub things in their nose that I used that as strength. I made a monument of my pain, and I'm going to go prove it over here. I made it about my accomplishments so I could stand one day and wag a finger in someone's face and tell them I did it without you. That is a scary place to be. That is selfish ambition. I've repented of that, and ever since I did, God has done amazing things in my business. I'm a total clown. Like, I should not be able to have the favor that is on my business right now. And I pray to God it continues. But if it doesn't, I'm totally okay with that. But when we get ourselves out of the picture, God is able to do a lot of things. So the the counter to that is glorifying his gifting in your life. I believe that all these stupid things we see here, right? Slip and slides 200 feet. Who does that? We do that. Why? Why? because I believe that God is glorified in our creativity, our creativity to design an atmosphere and to do things differently. I find that God is glorified in that. I think that Jesus wishes he could be on the slip and slide with us. I don't know. Like, I find that glorifying him that we would use our creativity for those things to draw people in relationship. I think that he's honored in that. Using those around you, such as pawns, if you look at somebody as a mere pawn, like a little chess piece, That is selfish ambition. If you look at someone as just a means to get somewhere else versus empowering those in community around you, that is selfish ambition. Empowering the community around you is godly ambition. Third, if you're motivated through anxiety and paranoia for what others are doing, that is selfish ambition. If you're doing something because you're worried that someone else is doing something or might do something and you need to beat them to it, that's selfish ambition. The godly ambition is that you are inspired by your personal conviction. Your personal conviction, I believe, is your dreams, your passions, your interests. And a, a, a belief that there's something that could be in your life. Vision is all about having an idea of what could be, not what is. You recognize something, you see the potential of what could be. And last, the kingdom of God depends on my action. The kingdom of God depends on my action. If you're leaving it to everybody else... You're being selfish. If you do not believe that God's kingdom is advancing by people like you, then you're trusting on other people to do the work and to push the boundaries of the kingdom of God. That is selfish ambition by doing nothing. Why? Because it's a lie. God clearly says that he wants to use you and advance you and give you purpose. You need to know that you have eternal significance in advancing the kingdom. Matthew 11:12 says the kingdom of God is advancing by force and violent men lay hold of it. Man does that sound cool? Violent men lay hold of the kingdom of God and advance its boundaries. I don't know what that means, but I just know I want to be part of it. I want to be someone that is helping push the boundaries and the perimeters of the kingdom of God. But that does not mean that I get to sit in the center on a couch, and look and just depend and wait on other people to do it. The kingdom of God depends on you to have that ambition. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. God, we love you for how, God, you are the author of all things good. God, you are the author of our heart's desires, our ambitions, our passions. And so, Lord, would you help us tonight as we take away... God, what the difference between selfish ambition and godly ambition is, Lord, to give us an inspiration. God, I pray that you would call those broken, downtrodden, discouraged dreams, God, that are wasting away in those caves, Lord, deteriorating. God, that you bring them out and you'd inspire us, give us motivation, give us passion. God, give us determination, give us hope. Lord, wherever there's discouragement in this room, God, I pray that discouragement would be defeated and left God that I'd be absolutely removed from this place God I thank you that you are so good to us Lord you are so good to interweave God the ambitions of our life of our hopes of our dreams the longings of our hearts with a collision course with you so Lord tonight I pray Lord, if there's any one of us God that is struggling with that journey that you would help bring us forward and Lord as we worship here tonight Lord, I pray that you would minister to our hearts. Tell us it is okay, Lord. Tell us it's all going to be fine. Speak to us and confirm and comfort our worried hearts, Lord, the hearts in which we are anxious and jealous and worried and nervous and discouraged, Lord. Speak to those hearts tonight. And God, for those who have life by the tail, Lord, who are kicking life upside down and all around. Lord, I pray you just to put fire on them, God, just to do more and to empower those around them. Lord, wherever there's godly ambition in this room, Lord, I pray that it would manifest and increase tenfold, Lord, and that you would get us on a path where we cumulatively, Lord, are together pulling each other, making ourselves stronger in you as a community, not any one piece alone, but a body of Christ, Lord. Everyone is useful. Everyone is has importance and significance with you. So Lord, do that in us. We just pray for an outpouring of your presence on us. We commit tonight, we worship you now.